gentlemen. Yeah. Yes, Cheers to a wonderful episode, and I love the way that it was going. And we can, as usual, dive right into it after I take this quick sip of the whisk. Hey, you hold on. I'm about to go over here and pour me a half of one. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Um, we got a lot that we can, you know, really dive into. But the first thing that I want to is I we talked about it a little bit before we got before we started the main show was I'll call it a reach and I'm not saying this in a negative way but the reach that Dame Lillard did when he was you know when he was questioned you know about the pressure to where he literally went deep within and deep within his his intellect and said nah fam this ain't pressure you know and he said he said in one of the interviews it was, it's not in the quote but he said in one of the interviews I wouldn't have took the shot if I didn't know that I could make it. I practice this. This is my job. This is my craft. This is what I do. So this ain't pressure. But let me tell you what pressure is. And then he went on to elaborate and inform and educate what pressure actually was. And he, he, he you know, it was it was eloquent because for us, being people of color, you know, black folk we already know because we were raised like that we know you know we've been at the dinner table not wanting to finish you know our full meal and you know your grandparent or your parent hit you with the is children starving in africa you better eat your food so we, we you know we know how to you know change that perception to put ourselves in the right frame of mind to overcome the challenges that we that we face um, whereas others may not, but that was, you know, in essence of what I think that Dame Lilla really did. It was like, oh, you think this pressure? No, let me, let me, let me tell you what pressure really is. Pressure is really this homeless man, this single mother, this person that's struggling to find a job, this person is struggling with their mental health type deal. That's pressure. Me hitting this game winning buzzer beater shot. No, that's my job. I practice doing this. Every day I hit the, I hit the gym, I do this shot a hundred times in my mind and a hundred times on the floor because it's what I'm supposed to do. This ain't pressure. This is what pressure really is. So I really want to commend Dame Lillard just, you know, off the, off the strength of him putting things into perspective for, you know, for everybody listening. Because he could have easily, you know, just accepted the accolades and be like, yeah, well, you know, you know, I'm just a clutch player because that's what we've heard in the past. Somebody hits a game winning shot and they attribute it to being clutch. But Dame took the time to educate and elaborate and let people know <laughs> this ain't pressure. This is this is nowhere near pressure. Here's what pressure is. So I just wanted to start it off, start the conversation off and throw that in there. But you know, whoever can take it from here and go ahead and you know and run with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that uh, that that showed a lot of maturity for you know a young professional athlete and young professional athletes don't necessarily get a lot of credit for uh for mature outlooks. And so I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool, man, for him to to, to see beyond himself. And I thought it would make a good topic because I think people, you know, regular folks can recognize both pressure and challenges for how they come. But, you know, also recognize man that if neither one of them are any joking, it's all tough to to deal with it. So, you know, it can easily get overwhelming for people. I think people get overwhelmed and then they start to make bad decisions. 
get overwhelmed, cuss out that person you shouldn't have cussed out. You possibly make yourself feel better that you you couldn't afford doing things that are out of order besides or uh, how you feel about you know your real goals and real things that you actually wrote down and this is what you accomplished and now you're doing all sorts of stuff. It's not really uh pushing you towards where you want to go. In fact it might be taking you away from where you want to go. And so um that that pressure feel life that folks have and that's what that's what got folks marching in the street to certain areas. Got folks, you know, coming out of out of Thorsville. And, you know, I think in some ways hate in general for whether it's people or religions and all it's just all based on fear and and uh selfish inadequacy and feeling like you can't handle the pressures associated with life or the way that you thought it was supposed to be. And so you get people who, you know, act out of source and shoot places up and, you know, acting all crazy and talking to people with all sorts of disrespect and, and now in this day and age everything is on film, so you get all the all the madness and who gets this off of the world star does. Right? They get to see you post the absolute bottom basement moment. It's like, dang, man, why would you smack this dude because you, you know, you bought the Chinese food that you didn't like or something like that, or you kicked him down the stairs and filmed it. Like, what is wrong with you? But that's the, that's the society that we're living in right now, man. And so um, people do what otherwise, you know, other folks do that. Um, a lot of times um, a a perception or from a place of you've reached a certain level of economic security so you couldn't see yourself acting the way that this group acts or that group acts or this person. Man, you're not above that. The wrong situations happen and you get in the right place. You know, you'll rob somebody if you had to. You'll hurt somebody if you had to to feed your family. Like, the things that people who do when they are under real pressure those activities are not above you. You say, hey, therefore, if not for the grace of God, go I Recognize that. Recognize that that fortunate um, relative privilege that you have to be walking in that space and then try to act accordingly when you respect that thing that you have, um, with whatever um, blessings or however you call it that you have, then you start to say, well, you know, I want to cultivate and take good care of these opportunities and these blessings that have been given to me. And I think that's when you start to be responsible and set goals and move towards what you want to do, do the right types of activities and manage your pressure in a way that's going to be um, going to be productive for you and not destroy your family, those types of things, man. So I just, you know, I, I thought that, uh, I thought, I thought that was a good topic. Most definitely. Um, but DJ, I'm going to throw it to you because I know you got something you wanted to say. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, I thought the topic was super dope uh, when Dr. Levin put the uh, the idea out there. I, I saw the quote from Dame. And we, we shared a few text messages about it and different things of that nature. But, you know, I didn't initially think about it as a topic, but it just it dives into so much where you can really peel back several layers of the onion. And I think when you think about people, most people come in layers. 
And I really appreciate the perspective that he's offering from the layer that he's peeling back right now because what he offered, what the dopest thing that I thought he offered was a departure from the uh, the normal or traditional privilege perspective or response that you would get. Like you said, AJ, oh, hey, Dame, you know, you just knocked down a 40-foot game winner. How do you feel about that? You know, he's supposed to be pulling his jersey, pounding his chest, talking about himself. But he took that moment to shine a spotlight on other people. To me, like Dr. Loving said, when you talk about maturity, to me, that's that's uncanny wisdom to say, here's a moment in time that I'll never get back. People are going to talk about me regardless. They're going to play this on SportsCenter night after night after night. But the part that they don't play, Dr. Loving, is when he says those things. They show him making the shot, but they don't show what he said. See, that defines your depth as a person. Like I said, brand and image. The image of him making that shot is who everybody wants you to see. They, they're continually playing it. But his brand, at least to me, how did he make you feel? Instead of saying, you know, game, checkmate, match, he said, I just want to let you guys know that we get paid a lot of money to play a game. Yes, I want to win. Yes, it's competitive. But no, that's not pressure. And see, I think he's highlighting the plight that many Americans don't have a platform to speak on. These are probably things that he saw growing up in the communities in which uh, he either lived or was surrounded by. And oftentimes, the further we get away from a struggle, the more difficult it is for us to identify with it. And we sometimes forget that that struggle is even occurring. So, again, for me, one of the special things about the message was here's a reminder from a well-to-do person who's reminding you that there are people. And this was not about people who look like me, people who look like you. He didn't he didn't introduce any of that. That is a universal message. That homeless man could be any race, creed, or color. That single mother could also be any race, creed, or color. To me, that was a he he really reintroduced the human element to something. And he minimized how important a basketball game is, but how important real issues are. Those are the things that, you know, our our, our Congress uh, men and women should be focused on. Those are the things our president should be focused on. How do you drive and deliver solutions to relieve things like that? You know, um, so for me, I thought the message was empowering. And when you even, again, you continue to peel back the layer of the onion, you get to the place and space where you're talking about mental health and, you know, just being aware of your own mental health. But I mean, critically important is also identifying and understanding signs for, you know, uh, maybe lapses in mental health or potential mental health issues in others. You know, these are nowadays life-saving skills, and uh, we need to be able to see those things, and those things are relationship-based. You know, arbitrarily, people are coming to the office and I walk through, hey, Destin, how you doing? I laugh a lot of times because nobody's really asking. It's just what you're supposed to say as you pass by. I caught myself doing that maybe three or four years ago. So 
I intentionally try to stop and talk to people now. I know the security guards at my job. I know all of them. I know if they have children. I know if their children are sick. I know what schools their kids go to, that type of thing, because I stopped arbitrarily asking them how they're doing. And I actually pause, hey, how was your weekend? What did you do? I know their sports team, things of that nature. <coughs> Excuse me. But you can ascertain pretty quickly when you spend just a few moments with a person when something is slightly off. That could save your life. And it could potentially save someone else's. So uh author says it all the time. Put down the device, go somewhere and actually sit down and engage in the human element with the person. I would encourage everyone to do that because at the core of what his message is, at least for me, what resonates is getting back to some basic human elements and understanding that, again, some of us are privileged with the problems or challenges or pressures that we have in our lives. Other people would get in line for them and wait. And we would not trade places or spaces with most of those people. So, yeah. That's that, man. Most definitely. And, um, you know, you bring up a great, a great point where, um, let's, we, 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 we getting deep. Come on. I want to, I want to get dirty. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Lovin, it was, it was, it was the third point. It was the third point of Dr. Lovin's outline that we didn't get to because I felt like <laughs> it was going to get you know, it, right and it's better suited for the after show or you know as as like anyone get, knows get trifling ass people out your life you <laughs> yeah. let me pull me up something like look yeah. I, I mentioned it in my closing remarks the importance <laughs> of you know just really listening to the words that song where it's like oh I choose you Baby, listen, you got to well, choose yourself. Your AJ the Mag days, listen, man. Listen, listen, hold on now. Don't, don't, don't tell them too much. Don't Google me now. <laughs> but no, for real, like you got to really <laughs> choose yourself. And people are like, people are so afraid to cut ties and create boundaries with people because of, I guess, societal traditional norms. It's like. You got to set boundaries and and, and and with with your family, with your friends. You could be, you could know yeah. somebody, you know, all of your life from the womb to the tomb. But you, it's, it comes a point in time where you just gotta be like, hey, 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 no. Well, so that ain't, I, that I mean, ain't conducive. That ain't conducive to right. my mental health. Stop right now. <laughs> well, but a lot of people, right. a lot of people can't do that, and that that in itself. Has yeah. that constant pressure where that pressure is yeah. on your neck like the sun in the summertime. Yeah, man. But see, that right there, what you're saying, I'll, I'll go quick too, but that right there, what you're saying, that is a, a issue that you can speak from experience from, Dr. Loving can speak from experience from, and so can I. But what made it easy for me was life events. There are certain life events that you have that forces you to make a decision. So for you, it's going to be Avery and Shannon over everything. Like if somebody is not bringing positivity and opportunity into your life, you don't have a lot of time to deal with a bunch of bullshit that doesn't positively impact Avery, Shannon, and yourself. So for me, when I got married, when I had, when we, when we had our child, 
I started choosing people differently. Now, fortunately for me and both of you, there's some legacy people in your life that are really good. But I'm sure there were some associates that they are a good time to hang out with. But man, on the broader scale, it's like, man, you really cool to kick it with, but you're pretty bad for business, i.e. my life. So I got to cut ties with that because it's about more than me now. When you have that more than me situation or decision to make, it makes things a lot easier. You show me a person who has a more than me decision to make, I'll show you a person that's probably at a more advantageous uh, state of mind than someone who's worried about themselves because it it gives you an out, so to speak. And I know that's a difficult way to look at it, but you almost blame your development and growth on, hey, you know, I got a family now. Oh, you don't hang out on the block no more. Yeah, you know, I got a family, I got a kid now. That's an acceptable excuse in the hood that I grew up in. You got a family, you know, he can't be out here like that. You can't just say I'm trying to be better. Now you think you're better than us? You think you're better than me? That's the bullshit you get mad with. You, you're you not allowed to change. You're not allowed to grow. What you got, Doc? No, I was, I was going to say just that. that. My whole third point was about the kind of information pressure, but it helps you recognize and meet challenges. And, you know, normally, I, we, you know, we talk about the mentors and we talk about the, uh, you know, the power circle and the groups of people you should have around you. But, you know, sometimes you got to talk about the people you shouldn't have. And there's three types yeah. of killers that I would say you don't want to have around you. Like the first one is Get out my notes. killer. You know, time is a time killer, right? Yeah, you know, they never want to do anything remotely productive. Every time they with you, oh, let's drink. Oh, let's smoke. Oh, let's do none of the things that you want to do to get ahead. And you look up and your time somehow has a last. And sometimes time killers can come outside of working. But you can also have time killers that come to your desk, waste your whole day. Now, they mess around and create a situation where it wasn't any pressure. Now you got two minutes to do something because they wasted your time talking about nothing, eating a donut and dropping powdered sugar all over your desk, right? So you got to guard your time from those time killers. Other folks are your dream killers. These are the folks that are usually closer to you. You've actually been able to share a dream with that you told them too much and their little brain was not big enough to handle your big dream. And so that dream killers will do everything that they can to, in their mind, help you by telling you that you can't do what it is that you have not just thought of and conceived, but actually put together actionable steps towards doing, and it's realistic in your mind. They're like, well, you ain't going to be able to do it, because in the words of the song from The Wiz, you can't win, you can't get over, you can't get out of the game. Right, so that individual has always got a message of doom and gloom, no matter what it is you're trying to bring to the table. They're like, well, this table ain't going to be good for what it is that you bring. That's just how they are. You cannot get ahead. You're going to have that type of individual around. The third type of killer is the peace killer. This individual ain't never got a good word about anything. So you can be having a great day. You can be doing the things that otherwise help you alleviate uh, pressure, fishing, or relaxing and just staring out a window. And then they got gossip. 
right? They got to tell you what this person's doing, what that person ain't doing, who's doing who. All in ways that don't help you at all, but just mess with your feet. And then this bar, this, this uh, food killer, that's, that's also an individual that's subject to borrow money very frequently. Now, they will give you more peace because once they borrow the money, and they they're not going to call you. They don't have the intentions of playing it back. They're going to start to keep their distance from you. You're going to have to find this peace killer. But that type of messy, just a messy individual. And they just bring mess all around. And that mess sometimes creates pressure because they do stupid things, right? The peace killer is the person y'all go out to, you know, for, for dinner and drinks, and they got to cuss somebody out at the place. You got to, you know, they ready to, they see somebody looking at them. And instead of just instead of just recognizing that they've been looked at, no, oh, who you looking at, champ? You think no, they got you in trouble with champ, man. Hey, you see what I'm saying? Hey, we learned anything from the previous episode. You don't, don't you don't mess with champ, though. Yeah, man. Take out meal and here he comes. So you gotta be careful with those time killers, grand killers, and peace killers. If they end up putting you in a position where you experience more life pressures, you right. often fail to meet the challenges that you set for yourself because you're wasting a bunch of time and you're in the wrong mindset where you got folks that setting it off all the time in stupid ways that are very unhealthy. Well, I tell you what, let me um, let me jump in and do this. Let me pose a few questions because. I personally know that Arthur can speak to this for a uh, for quite a while. So I guess, Dr. Loving, I'm going to go to Arthur, but I want you to hold your thought there, and I'm going to come back to you. AJ, think about what Dr. Loving um, just detailed and what he just said. Why is it, do you think, that in our lives we allow those people to stay around for as long as we do, and then secondarily, why do you think they feel like we are the proper people to bring that type of information and energy to? What is it that we're doing to allow that? I love that question. I was going to actually, you know, I, I, my my train of thought was going in that direction uh, from earlier, and I'll attribute it to an imposter syndrome. And <laughs> and I'll, I'll I'll get to my point, but I'll throw it I'll throw it to a point back that you said earlier. You know, when we first started the the after show, is when you said you know people you know, can't really leave the hood or don't want to leave it as they, you know, they can't relate to the struggle because they left the hood. That's what you said. Um, and that's that imposter syndrome because they're in a new position. They can't, they can't some kind, some, they can't in some ways relate to the position that they came from because they're so accustomed to their new position, which is higher up. So I say that to say this, I think it's an imposter syndrome in terms of you think you mother Teresa. And I'm guilty of it, and I know others are, whereas you can't cut people off because you know that you're probably one of the best things that they got going for them. And you don't want to be the straw that broke, you know, that breaks that camel's back. It's like, look, if I don't, if I stop, you know, just mentally supporting this person, that could be the end of them. And you recognize that on your own. But in some sense, it's the imposter syndrome of, you feel like you Mother Teresa. You feel like you can solve and help everybody and fix all the ill wills in the world and everything going on around you. So it's, you know, it's it's that. I think that's one of the main things. It's like, hey, I don't, 
I can't I can't stop, you know, dealing with this person because this person would be lost without me. But but if I may, what is the opportunity cost to you? Because it takes time, it takes resources, and again, we just talked about the fact that there's a Avery, there's a Shannon, there's your immediate, you know, family or what have you. What's the opportunity cost for you just attempting to be there for that person? Oftentimes, we're blinded by, you know, just the, especially when you're talking about somebody that you consider a friend, we're just blinded by the by the emotions of the relationship where you don't actually see the opportunity cost. You don't see what you're missing out on because you can't fathom that person not being there. And if vice versa for the person, is, you know, on the other side of that equation, you just don't know. Like, you don't know. And it's like you like like the, like the saying goes, you don't know what you're missing until it's gone. And right. that goes for that person on the other side of the equation where it's like, I don't know what I'm missing out on if I was to or, let that person go or to set these boundaries. You just don't know dare, until, it, you know, you don't, you don't know. I dare to say what you may not be missing out on either. Right. Because like you said, you know, you don't know until that time comes. But Dr. Levin, you, you've heard the line of questioning. I'm interested to hear this from you. You are you know, for our listeners who are just joining us or what have you, you have a very unique story and a uh, very interesting journey. Uh, Morehouse graduate, uh, you, you could have went to Tuskegee, but you decided not to. But you went to Morehouse nonetheless, and we uh, we, we, we absolutely respect that. Yeah, it's literally only an hour, <laughs> hour 15 away. You, you, hour mm-hmm. 15, you know Everything what I mean? comes at opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you next door to Spelman, <laughs> but... That's you know. really why he went. He was like, you know, we got all good. You know, he was playing. Hey, anyway, his hey, wife. Hey, look, look, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. We're going to get back in But when you think about, when you think about what we just uh, spoke about, why is it psychologically, again, you are the first African-American male PhD in personal finance in the United States. Now, that didn't happen by default. There was some planning, some strategic decisions made, and I'm sure that challenges, pressure, properly dealing with them and overcoming those things were present. What can you talk to us about your personal journey? As we talk about peeling back the layer, let's peel back the onion a little bit and get to know Dr. Loving a little bit better because you've had to leave some things on the table to go on and do the things that you're doing. So how do you, how have you done those things? But consequently, those same three people that you spoke about, why do you feel like those people felt it necessary or even an option to remain connected to you in those ways, even as you begin to move through, I wouldn't even say society, but mature in life. And I'm sure that they knew that they were not, but they wanted to hold on to you anyway. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about how you dealt with that? Yeah, and, I, and I'll say, uh, uh, the, especially the, the PhD process for anybody, it's always, even if you're a great student, it's, it's an exercise and, and tenacity and an exercise and, and, and being organized, right? And the tenacity, I will say that I can muster that up, but the organized thing isn't necessarily something that comes naturally to me. So I had to, you know, be, I, I had to be 
very directed in, in my approach uh, when they when it came to the school thing. But even you know before that, the the decision to go to school, I had a person who is you know I've, I've got friends who I have been close to. I would say probably call them more associates now. Who you know you tell them, hey man, I'm looking at a PhD program, and they're like, man, you already got a house, you got a, you got a car. You got a good job. Why would you leave all that to go back to school? You already been to school. You know, those those types of things. Now, though, you know, though, if you hear and take in that type of message and continue to just listen to it and, and internalize it, then you might actually make that decision. I, and, I, and I tell you this, man, I believe that God has certain things plotted out for us because I had made a similar decision after uh, just hearing from one of my friends for a long time, like, dude, you got it made. Just stay where you are. Don't, you know, don't go off to school. Don't do that. And I said, yeah, man, I got this car to pay for in my mind. I was going to lunch. I said, man, I got this car to pay for. I ain't going to lunch. Man. I'm just going to go ahead and keep doing what I'm doing, build up my financial planning practice. Things will be fine, right? So I um, pulled out in the traffic, and I had a Chrysler 300M. I don't know if y'all remember the 300M. It's the one before the one that they made to look like the black man's business. It was the, you know, but it still had that big old, it's one of them big cars. I like big cars. You know, you know how. Well, let's just, let's just say this. In college, in uh college, Dr. Levin, AJ will tell you, I had an Eagle Vision. So I know all about the uh, the Chrysler series. I had an Eagle Vision with candy paint on it. But we're gonna pause right there. We'll we'll come back we'll come back to the, before that it was a Grand Prix. But anyway, yeah. let's focus <laughs> on your So my thing was oh, <laughs> right. so, here, so here's me pulling out, like, yeah, man, I'm not going to school. I'm just gonna keep doing my work there. And then God stepped in by asking you know how people will let you in through their lane, but you gotta go over to the next lane. So dude was like waving me through. He waved me through into a car that was coming really fast from the other <laughs> side of him. And Kaplow! I'm talking about, man, the whole front of that Chrysler 300 hill was smushed. It was, it was smushed. I'm talking about, like, there was, there's no question when you looked at it. Like, it's oh, it's just so, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, it's just so, you know, the airbag worked. Did you have tinted windows, though? I did not have tinted windows. Man, and you was riding fishbowl in your crack. In the, I mean, this had to be the early, late, late 90s? No, this is the early 2000s, man. Man, you so had to have tent. You know, I was, in, I, I was in the south suburbs of Chicago, man. I was going to, you know, deal with families and their money. It was, you know, I couldn't just. They didn't even see you pull up. Super duper player and just put it all on the <sighs> 20s and put hydraulics on it and all the rest of that type of stuff. <laughs> I had the money to do all of it. My point is, I stepped in and took away that car payment from me by showing me the right. pretty colors that all of the fluids of an engine make when they pour out on the ground. And I didn't even have my seatbelt on. I didn't get hurt. But I did remember fully what my last thoughts were before I got smacked by that car. And they were, I'm not going to school. And I feel like that was God trying to tell me, no, nah, you're going to go. This is something that I have justice for you. And so there were people who started the PhD program before I did. But I ended up being the first African-American to graduate it because I stayed on task. And I didn't stay on task perfectly. 
but I, I, you know, I set my, uh, I set my goals. I did the things I needed to do, not without fail, because I had some things that I didn't do completely correctly. And I, and I, you know, and I surrounded myself with good people. My wife was a good person to have along. She understood that, you know, that there would be times where I had to work, uh, work late up at the university and spend time studying on things, and she was cool with it. And so. She wasn't the type of person who was killer who was like, no, nah, I need you mm-hmm. to see me, blah, blah, blah. We we can't be together. And I, it, it was cool about it. Right? So She's playing the long she, game, bro. She she did. It worked, it's worked out uh, for my life. <laughs> for both of y'all. I at the absolute least, you know, I, we, we made it through the program. And I think that any time that you find something big, that's a goal that one person within a couple has, um, it it either is going to become something that the couple is willing to work together to do, or mm-hmm. if it's extremely important to that one person, it's going to be the one thing that ends up tearing that couple apart. Because, you know, a, a big goal is likely going to have to take a little bit, you know, some, uh, some, some work in preparation from the person engaged, but it's going to take some sacrifice uh, from the person right. who's still so in the bottom, yeah, who, who really, uh, feels that absence. And so, you know, you, you could have to be selective about either who puts your goals out and say, I just ain't gonna be that way. Or you could have to be selective about the people who are around and say, I just can't be around people who don't want me to be that. Now, now, Dr. Levin, do you think that your entry into the um the PhD program gave you a natural barrier to some of the folks that would have normally had access to you or was there a uh a really like come to Jesus type of moment where you had to make some concrete decisions about who you affiliate yourself with in your immediate circle? I think that you uh there's a little bit of a little bit of both. I respect the fact, you know, university environment is uh is insular in a way that you know people who people who don't want to learn or grow usually don't come around there so much so to the extent that you have fellow classmates and all of that you know usually you have a certain floor of of commitment but there are varying levels of commitment still within there you got to recognize that um you know there are some people who can whip up together in a couple hours but takes you a couple of days so you have to make sure that that person who you know is is killing time because it's comfortable for them you have to recognize well it's going to make it really uncomfortable for you if you you haven't gotten the things done that you need to get done during that time that you're killing you got to recognize that your ability to accomplish to accomplish things is going to be based on both your timeline and and your um your um, ability to expend that energy, not the person who is, you know, drinking next to you. So if you have that sort of responsibility to you, then you're like, all right, I gotta go, or I'm not gonna make it to this one. Well, if that person is cool, then they'd be the type of person that says, oh, okay, I understand. Rather than fight you on whether or not you're gonna come out and do nothing with them, <laughs> then, you know, they understand that the, uh, that the overall goal is more important than those. A few hours of fun that you that you have, you know, time at the bar. So I mean, it's a little bit of both. Man. You gotta you gotta recognize that 
that there may be those come to Jesus moments, but also depending on the goal that you have, it may set a natural sort of boundary around you where you're dealing with people who are similarly minded. Right. And and I appreciate that. And uh, I'll just pose one or two more questions and then I'll give AJ the floor back to do what he does. But I wanted to make sure I got AJ in on this because AJ is a serial entrepreneur. And I can only imagine the type of feedback that you may or may not get as it relates to your various lines of business, specifically being that, you know, you graduated with a very strong uh, GPA from the university. A lot of people may encourage you to, you know, hey, you got to stick this corporate path out, so on and so forth. But I know that one of the things that's always been important to you was multiple streams of income, making sure that you had some type of autonomy and control over your life. And I like to know from you the same thing that I asked to Dr. Lovin. When we talk about those three types of people, how have you combated that with your various businesses? And feel free to list off what they are, or I can do it for you. We can start with Southern Hospitality car wash we can talk about uh the flight uh clothing company we can talk about 87 flight travel we can talk about mmgv we can continue on and talk about various other ventures that you know you've invested in to make sure that you have some diversification how have you been met with that and how have you dealt with making sure that you are I would, I guess, cutting off is the proper word, but it's not really cutting people off because I don't think it's a situation where we don't want to deal with folks. I think it's a situation where we realize that limited interaction is the best interaction for yeah, all parties involved. It's just setting boundaries, really, and it's it's setting. It's like you can, in the scenario of you buying you buying a dog and you got a yard and you put a fence around the yard and you tell the dog you can run all in all within this fence don't go outside of the fence or you can buy a house or a cage and put the dog in the cage and you force the dog to stay there you got your hard boundaries and you got your loose boundaries um with me you mentioned the southern hospitality car wash i'll just be transparent that business in essence is defunct now I still have all of my equipment at any given time. I can open that business back up because that's the flexibility that that business has. But that was one of those things where I was met with opposition personally and professionally where I didn't have the time to devote to that business, to expand it to the, the, the pressure that, you know, to the, not to the pressure, to the, to the heights that I wanted it to go because I'm, you know, in, in essence bounded by traditional norms put forth personally by myself and family, where it's like, hey, you got to work a, you know, a nine to five, a, a, a steady paycheck is what they say, versus when you're being an entrepreneur, and that's the reason why entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And as entrepreneurs, we gotta, we we can't keep pushing this agenda to try to, you know, in essence, force everybody to do it. Everybody ain't mentally equipped to take on the pressures that come along with owning your own business. I know, you know, Dr. Lovin knows when you run your own business, it ain't steady. Even when it's steady, it ain't steady. 
rock steady is what the song saying this ain't this ain't what that is like we know at any given time every single client could stop and now what what you got to fall back on so personally you know i i you know i've i've i've, I've dealt with you know the family that's like hey you know well uh, you can do that on the side but still do this and you know it's something that I still deal with because, you know, you look at me now, I still have a nine to five, which, you know, based on the flexibility and the, the joy of my job that I currently have with my company, I come and go as I please. My hours aren't traditional. I work from home when I want to. I take vacation when I want to and when I need to. If I wake up one morning and I really don't feel like going to the office, I send a simple text message and say, guess what you know, guess what I'm not doing today? Coming in there and nobody has a problem with it. That's flexibility that I've never experienced before at any of my other jobs because I've worked in Fortune 500 corporate before where it's I was mandatory that I had to work three weekends out of the month and I was only given one weekend. The only way I would get a, another weekend was by emergency, and that was because I was in middle management. So I've been in I've been in different places and different spaces where I, you know I understand you know different different challenges that people have to you know people people encounter and how to overcome them uh, but with me personally with my with my entrepreneur with my entrepreneurial you know spirit is for when I was raised this way my father always owned his own business but he always had a job my grandfather was the same way owned his own businesses but still had a regular job so I feel like you know it's it's kind of one of those things that's embedded in me where I I recognize understand and embrace the balance that is and it may be a thing where I might not ever go full entrepreneur because I'm because just the fact of, you know, me personally wanting to work uh, and some people are like that where they want to work. Like, even if I am the CEO of a major company, I'm still going to be that CEO that wants to get in and work to show people and, and let people understand. I know how to do this because I did it. I don't, I don't, and, and you know, I don't, I don't ever want to, I don't ever see myself as being that, you know, that person that's just so braggadocious, like, yeah, I own the company, so I don't have to work. They work for me. There's a, there's a meme that goes around on social media where an employee saw his boss pull up in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, some high dollar, you know, production car. And basically the boss said, you know, you work so that I can afford this. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that owner, that CEO, that boss, because I want I want my employees. I want I want to always prove to myself. Ultimately, like I want to prove to myself. It's just like the thing where you know where you, as you progress in life, you just want to prove to yourself that you still got it. So if I'm if I you know it, it makes sense for me to. I may not do the day to day day to day, but once a week I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna grind with you, because. It's in me to do that. It's for my own mental health to know, yeah, I can still get out here and, you know what I'm saying, do what I do. Although I got a team doing it for me, I still can do it. And that proves to my team that I'm not above them. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm leveling with them like, look, I know what y'all go through because I did it. You know, <clears throat> you know what's funny about this? So what's funny about this is this conceptually is the same thing that you decided to have an entrepreneurial spirit about is the same thing that gets people caught up on a block or in the hood. I'm going to show you that I can still do this, even though I moved on from it. I think the beauty of what you're describing 
the loyalty that you're inspiring and creating in that setting is completely different from what would happen in the other setting. And I think here's why. When someone thinks that you're coming to take something from them, the response is much different than someone feeling like you're willing to participate in the process with them. And I hear you describing the need, the want, and the desire for folks that work with you to know that you're willing to participate in the process with them. When you have a mentality or you come from a place that, you know, many of us come from, you can't ever go back out there. The moment you show up, you're an opportunity. When you show up on the assembly line of a company that you're running, you have credibility. I'll give I a perfect believe. example. I don't mean to go cut ahead. you off, but I'll give a perfect example. No, good. We got the show. There's a show. I don't, I don't know if it still comes on, but the, the show Undercover Boss is a prime yeah. example of it. Like, honestly, you know, if, if any of my companies get to that level, I would never be able to do that just for the simple fact that I would always be visible. Right. And present. Present. Vi visible and present. You can't be an undercover boss if everyone from the top to the bottom knows who you are and you interact with them. Because I've been I've been in companies where, you know, the the, the head boss and, you know, the CEO or the regional CEO, the regional directors come through and they pop in and out like figureheads. And that's one mm -hmm. thing. But then I've also worked with companies where the, the, the big boss or the big CEO sits down at a table with everyone listens and engages with you and then leaves out of the meeting setting and then gets personal with you and is like, hey, how are you doing? That type right. deal. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of leader and, you know, that's another show that we can get into one day, leadership styles and just doing that. Right. But I wanted to get back to the original point that you asked me was, you know, not in that, not necessarily cutting people off, but one of the beauties of growing up and growing is like a tree. You can put a pot, you can put a tree in a pot, but eventually it's going to outgrow that pot. And if you don't take it out of that pot, it's going to bust out of that pot. We've seen right. trees grow through concrete sidewalks and nobody mm -hmm. helped it do that. The tree did it on its own. And sometimes that's what it takes for people. And for me personally, a, a lot of the situations, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it, that's what had to happen for me. I just had to naturally outgrow certain people in certain situations. Not to say that they were super toxic or anything in that man. It was just like, hey, you ain't really contributing. Um, you know, this is really kind of one-sided. It ain't really equal. You know, let's, you know, it's let's, and it just fade. It literally just fades away. Right. But at any given time, it can pick back up where we left off, and there's no love lost, <clears throat> nothing, no hard feelings, that type of deal. And then in other situations, right. it may not necessarily be a come to Jesus meeting, like you say, where it's like, hey, look, I'm cutting this off right here and now. It's just literally like, bam, I'm cutting it off and I don't even say nothing. I'm ghosting you. Are you ghosting? Because it has to happen. Because that way we don't, we can, we can keep intact the personality that was there. It was like, I'm not going to tell you to your face that I don't want you in my life no more because I'm not going to neglect the good that's come from this situation. I'm not going to neglect the positive that I've learned from this situation. But for all intents and purposes going forward, I tell myself, I'm going to limit my interaction, like you say. And we'll right. work on, we'll work it that way. We'll work it from that angle. I'm going to limit my interaction with this person. 
and that's how it moves on. And if that person pops up and say, "Hey, what's what's going on?" That's when you that's when you that's when you have that that real talk. Like, "Hey, look, man, I, I right. This 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 is going on. It ain't no hard feelings, but I got to I got to choose myself." And you got right. to be real with people. You got to let people know exactly. People over things. You got to understand that you, in a lot of cases, are that person. Right. Well, even even along those lines, I think that when we talk about you know self care, we talk about opposition, not opposition. We talk about challenges and overcoming pressure. One of the big things that we have to understand again, we as we talked about being introspective and making sure that we're not putting undue pressure on ourselves by the company that we keep, you have to realize the season that you're in at that moment in time because you can't take everybody everywhere. I'm sorry. You can't. I have friends that if I want to go out with, I know wholeheartedly they are a better time to go out with than others. If it's time to do a church service or whatever, you damn well better not bring the friend that don't do church is going to be bad. So you have to know your personnel and it's okay for you to know your personnel so that you can strategically implement them in the right situations at the right time. And that may actually benefit your situation, even if you're limiting your interaction because you're putting them in positions in which they can win is when you put folks in situations where their skill set does not uh, uh, travel, so to speak, with them. That you come in, you find yourself in in dangerous territory. So, Doctor Lovin, coming to you, what can you say about understanding the season of the of your life that you're in, or the situation that you're in, and pulling in the appropriate people? How important is that to getting to that ultimate goal? And, and making sure that you have the proper people aligned with you and what those goals look like. Uh, my, my dad always said uh, that you can't you can't win the uh, Kentucky Derby with no mule. And uh, I think I think that right there pretty much you know Paul, you got to have the calls for the yeah, cultural yeah. reference. Yeah, calls for yeah, the cultural ahead, reference. Calls for the cultural reference. Dr. Lovett, I want you to run that back one more time, please, sir. Yeah, this is a Larry Loving saying. You can't, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with no mule. No, God. I would. I would. Man, you can't. Hey, 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 what's up, folks? Say that dog won't hunt. That mule won't run. run. <laughs> sometimes it's about your goals. You know, you're talking about the Kentucky and that's, that's it. The horse racing, there may be some racing you can win with a mule, you know. With, with I don't know, it may be a whole mule racing spot. But when you're talking about a goal that's big enough, um, that's going to really require your attention and require sort of like-minded individuals to engage in it with you, you can't, you know, you can't have, you know, ooh, your buddy that went to business school. At their grandma basement, and that's all they do in life. Unless your job is just to pick up the weed and you're trying to come up with a weed company, you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying, if you ask somebody whose job is just to and then your life just to uh, 
to make your productive parts of your life a little bit more difficult, you're probably going to have to set some boundaries, right? You're going to have to, I'm not saying you have to cut a person out completely, you know? Um, you don't have to cut a person out, but sometimes you need to cut down on that time, you know? You got you can't have the individual that, um, that you know is the least productive um, as a prominent part of your life when it's time for you to be your most Okay, so you have to, you are the person who has to uh, be the gatekeeper to time with you. And it has to be in some ways based on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And that's why it's important to have these organized approaches and know, that, know what it is that you want to do and have some ideas about the time periods necessary to do so. So you don't fritter away time unnecessarily. And so you recognize that it's time to really buckle down and do the thing need to do to get where you're trying to go. And so, uh, yeah, that's just right. There's a time, a, a time period associated with um, the associations that we have with everyone. I always say that people are more important than things, but let's, let's face it, there's a finite amount of time that we're on this earth, and there's, a, there's an amount of time that you're going to spend with each individual, and, you know, at some point, ain't going to be no more of your time. And so you have to recognize how to allocate that time that you have and do the things that are necessary so you can feel good about yourself and your efforts given in relation to your goals. And also so you can feel good about the people you surrounded yourself with. You know, I never tell somebody, well, you just got to, you got to start by cutting everybody out your life that says a negative thing. I don't believe that. I don't believe you got cut out of people that say just because they say negative things. Even if they're time killers, grand killers, and peace killers, they're still people, and you still might, you still love them deeply. But you love yourself enough, and you love um, what it is that you're trying to uh, leave as a legacy for for your family and be a part of with your family and friends and be engaged in, and, and the people that you want to help through businesses and other things that you. Uh, you're going to engage in, you think those things are important enough that you manage everything, including relationships, in a way that can be positive for everybody involved. And I think even, even the time-wastingness, laziest individuals out there recognizing there's something special in their friends that they need to dedicate a little bit of time to. And eventually, if they've got good sense, maybe they come to understand why there was a little bit less time spent with them. And sometimes, sometimes you can be that inspiration for them to get up from whatever that position that they were in. So now they see some positive things happening to somebody else that's close to them and they start to believe that those dreams that they never tell anybody about might be able to happen if they approach it in an organized manner and start to actually knock down the things that they want to try to accomplish and they can do some big things in their lives too. So, and make it act (laughs) in a desired manner ladies and gentlemen i promise you we do not intentionally loop and thread all of these things together but i promise you we have been consistent and you know dropping the same jewels over and over again throughout these these episodes what's this episode seven yeah this is episode seven and it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a thread being laid 
it's a theme being laid and like we said before i don't i don't know if we actually know what it is at the end what it'll be we don't know when the end will come um but it's just crazy it's just crazy because like even even in the in the in the, the main episode the main show the the theme of people over things um power being the ability to define phenomena and make it act in the desired manner everything that we've said from episode one up until episode six is literally just constantly just popping itself up like signs and signals um it's just it just blows my mind like honestly i just wanted to point that fact out um because it's it's very it's it's unintentional uh but it's very organic how it happens and i just wanted to point uh make note of that but for in in terms of like setting these boundaries with people the only thing that i would you know put put my two cents in is if you got somebody that is purely negative and you can deem you know them or the situation is toxic that's when you set that hard boundary that's when you had that come to jesus mean like hey this ain't gonna cut it that dog won't hunt you can't win the kentucky derby with that mule and you let it be that other than that like i said personally i got some people that i used to talk to every day now every quarter and it ain't business it's just hey you came across my mind. I'm checking in. You good? All good. Being an entrepreneur is, you know, and DJ will tell you, Dr. Lovin is being, you know, introduced to my mind of how I think. And they'll tell you, they'll attest to the fact that, and my wife definitely is one of the main ones. My wife and my, my family, my immediate family will tell you. My ideas come. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm Edison. No, I take that back because Edison stole a lot of shit. Let's be real about it. <laughs> Edison was a crafty motherfucking thief. Sorry to say it. If he was your hero, research. Edison employed a lot of people who took their ideas and patented them under his own name. I'm not that. I have original ideas. And we said it before, you know, ideas are energy and they float around. Maybe I'm getting it from somebody else because they let it go and i do the same i don't take every idea and run with it but i have a lot of them i like ideas come to me you know every hour on the hour and dj i'll tell you right now i, I call dj what two or three times this week just a just with a with like one of like the one of the biggest things you could ever think of i won't share it here but you can attest yeah. to it where it's hey i'm hitting him up like look this this shit's gonna happen right now but DJ is one of those friends and one of those people that's part of my strategic circle, my power circle and my strategic partnerships where he's not going to downplay it. Whether he believes in it or not, he's not going to downplay it and be like, man, you crazy, man. Ain't nobody going to let you do that. The white folks, that, that, you, you, you. we've been there before. He ain't that person. But we all got those type of people that do that. They might not necessarily negatively t tell you, like, you can't do it. But they'll come up with excuses for you. And then you let those excuses infiltrate. And now the pressure's on. Will you succumb to it? Or are you mentally strong enough to be like, man, look, this is something that I want. And you're not going to stand in my way. So what I got to do right now is push you to the side. 
so that I can keep going forward. That's a strong mental quality, a strong mental ability to be able to do that. And everybody ain't ready and everybody ain't able. And there's a lot of things you can do micro to get yourself in position to do that. Small things like Dr. Lovin and DJ said, just limit your interaction. Stop sharing so much. If you got an amazing idea for yourself, don't tell nobody. If you already know that the person that you want to tell going to give you a reason why you can't do it, don't tell them. Hold that shit like you're nuts. Sorry for being real. Uh-huh. Being real. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm sorry for being real, but y'all know how I get when we get towards the end of the after show. The, 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 you know what I'm saying? The, the drink is in my blood, and, I'm, and I want to be real with you. But look, hold it. Hold it like you hold them. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just hold it. Just.
And what we want, we want to see people win. And we want to see people win big. And sometimes all it takes is something small to be sparked within you to allow you to really go after the things in your life that you want to go after. So let tonight be one of those uh, things, one of those sparks to ignite something within you. So again, challenges, dealing with pressure, understanding the difference between, you know, how do you how do you overcome those challenges in terms of uh, getting to your opportunity? It's key. It's clutch. I think that um, we really need to hone in on the fact that going back to the statement that uh, Dr. Loving read, uh, read earlier in uh, the uh, the regular show is that there are things in our lives that we should be grateful for that we're complaining about based on what uh, Dame Lillard said around pressure and challenges. We have the skills or we can develop the requisite skills to meet those challenges. Doing those things will reduce the level of pressure in our lives. But again, we are here as resources and uh, we'd welcome any uh, any engagement, any feedback that you have. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate the opportunity to be a part of your lives and a part of the journey. So uh, that would be my closing comments. Most definitely, Dr. Levin. Yeah. Uh, as I always say, uh, people are, are more important than things. And so, you know, they need to that is remembering again, as AJ said a couple of times, man, you are that person a lot of times, right? So, you know, prioritize those goals that you have and, and move toward them and then work with the people around you, man. You can have, you can create an electric environment around, around everybody accomplishing goals and inspiring one another. And, you know, that spark that they have is sent out the spark in you and, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those environments where everybody's winning because it's such a stimulative, positive, productive space, right? And I think that we all yearn to have those spaces around us, and we all kind want to be that positive influence in the lives of people around us. And so if you recognize that, then you do the things that are necessary to um, to uh, approach it and handle those challenges around you. You also do the things that are necessary alleviate the pressures in your life and limit those and limit those for the other people that you can be a positive and a lot uh positive force in their life uh for too man. So to the extent that you can do those things, I think that uh I think that you'll be happier uh with where you go than where you were when you started. That's that's what life is all about. Hey, Arthur, real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Um again before we close I want folks to just really remember again the the problem is not your major problem. Your major problem is your attitude towards the problem. And if we could just have a small shift in mindset as it relates to that, I think that dealing with pressure and challenges will become a lot more manageable for a lot of us. Most definitely. I think one of the key takeaways from all of the episodes and kind of like the underlying theme that I'm starting to see is accountability for self and self-realization 
self-actualization, prioritizing, um, which falls under accountability, just knowing, you know, putting things in perspective for yourself, understanding that as dire as the situation may seem, Go back to that old, you know, that old school mentality where you're sitting at the table and you don't feel like eating and your mama or your granddaddy or your daddy or your grandma tell you it's kids starving in Africa. And it puts you in the perspective like, look, I may not like what's on this table, but it's food and there's somebody who don't have it. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. So if that's what you got to do to yourself to stay on, stay on track, stay focused do it but you know as as for us here we're gonna keep doing what we're doing you know we've been called to do this so we enjoy it like dj said i i miss i missed this conversation last week but you know we stay in touch you know we we got our group our group message where we constantly going back and forth throwing ideas shooting the shooting the breeze as they say i won't say the other words but you know, we, we communicate, we hold each other accountable and it's a blessing. So, you know, go back to the, the first, the first couple of episodes, find your power circle, find your strategic partnerships, get with it. Like I, like I always say, get with it or get lost. And that's what you can tell yourself. And that's what you can tell others, get with it or get lost. But we always thank you all for listening and supporting. And we can't stress that enough. Our listeners have gone up. We got an increase in listenership now, so thank you all for that. Continue to share, continue to subscribe, continue to send us feedback. We appreciate all the shout outs and the sharing that y'all are doing. It's it's phenomenal and we can't thank you enough. Um we got more to come, bigger and better to come. You know, cause, you know, with the, with my two colleagues, they are, you know, they, they do great things. I you know, I'm just I'm just a layman here to relay for the for the common folks they are you know they they out here doing it so i'm just i'm just i'm just doing my humble part you know humble pie what it take to turn these whites only pies in the all right so (laughs) follow us on our instagram brethren pod that's b-r-e-a-d-r-e-n-p-o-d on instagram you can catch all of us at our individual uh, web domains, Destrian Wells can be found at DestrianWellsConsulting.com. That's D-E-S-T-R-I-A-N-W-E-L-L-S Consulting.com. Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. can be found at AjamuLoving.com. That's A-J-A-M-U-L-O-V-I-N-G.com. And myself, A.J. Woodson, can be found at M-M-B-B-G-W.com. No need to spell because I just did it. But as always, Thank you, and we love you from the Brethren Podcast. This is the after show, and we love you, and we'll catch you on the next episode.